Hello, and welcome to A View from the Perch, a podcast covering important financial planning topics from the point of view of a college finance student, a proficient financial planner, and an experienced certified financial planner. Each week, we discuss a new topic aimed to educate listeners from the Parrot Wealth Management Team's research and experiences. This week, we're covering the difference between a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA. Now, here are your hosts, Bill Parrott, Spencer Engelkay, and Ryan Arvin. What's up, guys? How's your week going? My week's well. Can't really complain. Yeah, it's a good week. Uh, markets are cooperating, uh, going to see Top Gun tonight, and it's Friday, so all is well. Yeah, I saw Top Gun last night. Uh, definitely the best movie I've seen since COVID happened. Wow. Okay, that's uh, that's high praise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't I haven't been high on a whole lot of movies, so that one there there was a whole lot of clapping when the movie was over. So that's how you know it was a good movie. That's awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, talking about IRAs this week. Uh, first question: What is an IRA? Yeah, the acronym stands for Individual Retirement arrangement. Um, and so it's interesting. So it started in, in the 1970s with kind of two primary goals. The first one was to create an, a tax kind of advantage, tax incentive um, retirement account for people that couldn't obtain pensions. So, and then the second kind of major goal was it was with people getting fired or people changing jobs. The, these pensions were extremely sticky. And so it was a vehicle to kind of do rollovers and make sure that people were able to attain retirement accounts because what, what the IRA is really for is to supplement kind of your, your social security income so you, you're not kind of running out of money in retirement. Wow, that's a, that's a whole lot of good information right away. That's awesome. Uh, so the second question I have is there's a difference between different types of IRAs. Um, a lot of people have heard of a traditional IRA, how would one describe a traditional IRA? Yeah. And uh, when I started in the business, uh, there was only one IRA. It was just the IRA. There was no <laughs> traditional, there was no Roth. And uh, the maximum contribution uh, when I started was $2,000 per year and you can mm. deduct it from your taxes. And then as uh, Times have changed and tax laws have changed. There's now the traditional IRA, which would be referred to as an original. Um, that money goes in um, pre-tax potentially, and you might have the option to deduct it from your taxes. So, for example, if you're married and you earn less than $129,000 per year, you could deduct that contribution from your taxes. Uh, if you don't earn less than 129, so say you earn 150, 160, 200, whatever, uh, it's not deductible, and that money grows tax deferred. Uh, what that means is when it comes out, you're going to have to pay taxes uh, on the gain if it was not deductible, and it's taxed as ordinary income. Uh, but as Spencer said, uh, it was designed for portability, so you could take that IRA anywhere. And so the traditional IRA was the original IRA before there was a Roth IRA. So the traditional IRA, uh, a big misconception is that 
if you earn more than 129000 that you cannot contribute to a traditional IRA, and that's false. So Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, they can contribute to an IRA if they wanted to. It's just not tax deductible for them. Mm-hmm. It will grow tax deferred like everybody else, but it's uh, known as the original or traditional uh, IRA. You said that it started off with a $2,000 maximum contribution. What is that now? Yeah, that's a good question, Ryan. Uh, Now it's $6,000 if you're 50 or younger. If you're older than 50, like I am, uh, you could add an extra $1,000 and it's $7,000. So under 50 is $6,000. When you turn 50, you could add an extra $1,000 for a total of $7,000. And when can you start taking the money out of the IRA account, the traditional IRA? Uh, at age 59 and a half is when you can access it uh, without a 10% penalty. So any age above 59 and a half is when you can first access the money without penalty. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you also mentioned a Roth IRA. Uh, would you like to explain the difference there? Yeah. So as Bill was talking about with the traditional IRA, that money gets taxed on the way out as ordinary income. So with the Roth IRA, that tax that money gets taxed on the way in, mm. grows tax-free, and when you pull it out, it's still tax-free. So it goes into whatever income you are at once you've earned it. You pay into the Roth IRA, and it takes tax out immediately, so you don't have to worry about that tax situation down the road. Interesting. Okay. Um So why would one start investing into an IRA? What's the point? Well, the main point is to have money for retirement, Mm -hmm. uh, to save for the future. So put a few dollars away uh, today so it grows tomorrow. So you're not dependent on the government or Social Security only. And with any other savings vehicle, uh, the more money you have, uh, the more you could do or the sooner you could retire or pursue your dream or whatever you want to do. So the retirement um, equation here is that putting money in, you'll be able to save for the future. And Spencer mentioned earlier, a lot of pensions are going away. And so you're no longer able to rely on your company uh, or your government providing for your needs. So the IRA gives you uh, control over your financial future. And uh, the sooner you start, uh, the better. Absolutely. And just thinking about kind of the tax advantage that comes with it, right? So you can save money in in a savings account, right? And have your money be lost to inflation every year. You can invest it in a taxable account, but then every single trade you make, every move you make has to be a taxable event. And so that's why these these IRAs really come into handy because you're able to maneuver, you're able to be flexible with your decision making and not really have to be cognizant of the tax effects until you either pull it out or with the Roth immediately it goes in. And as we've seen kind of kind of happen and it's going to continue to happen, the social security income is just not cutting it for most Americans. And so mm. they need some sort of retirement supplement income. And that's where an IRA with the tax advantage really helps out. Interesting. Okay. Um, So considering the income taxes and the highest tax bracket have decreased 42% over the past 50 years, would it be wise to choose an upfront tax like the Roth IRA, assuming that it'll be lower later? Or would you think that a traditional IRA is the safer route? What would you 
What would y'all think? Well, that's a great question. And the answer is it depends. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if what the future tax rates going to be. And as you mentioned, tax rates have fallen uh, significantly over the last 50 years. And a lot of people don't think that trend will continue because of deficits and paying for Social Security, paying for Medicare. So there is a large camp that feel that taxes have to go up eventually to pay for um, our government spending and deficits. And so uh, if you think tax rates are going to be higher in the future, uh, then you would want to contribute to a Roth. If you think tax rates are going to be lower in the future, then you would want to contribute to a traditional IRA. So it's not an investment decision. It, it's a tax decision because, as Spencer said, you know, once it's in an IRA, traditional or Roth, it's, it's protected from current taxes until you uh, take it out in the case of a traditional IRA and never tax on it in a Roth. So while it's in an IRA, it's protected from taxes. So really... It's it's almost a personal belief. So if, again, if you think <laughs> rates are going to be higher in the future, all Roth. If you yeah. think rates are going to be lower in the future, uh, you would be traditional. Yeah, and I think it also stems from where you're at in life. So mm. if you're in a lower tax bracket right now, it might make sense to do a Roth before you get to the 34, 37 marginal tax bracket. And mm. then once you start withdrawing, if you think you're going to be in that upper tax bracket. It might make sense for somebody that's starting their career or early on in their career um, to just get that tax over with and then not have to worry about it. Because even the top tax is at 37%. It decreases 15%. You're still in that kind of medium tax bracket. So it, it just it comes down to, like Bill said, tax preference. But I also think stages of life is, is very important as well. Mm, that's interesting. Um, so... Y'all mentioned both the Roth, the traditional, um, and y'all have talked about trying to max out every year, but is it possible to invest into both at the same time and possibly maxing out both at the same time? It is possible to invest in both at the same time. However, the max contributions are, as Bill stated, that $6,000 um, before 50 and then that's 7000 after 50 mm, At the same time into both accounts? Not into both accounts. So that contribution limit if you so you could do, for example, simple math, three thousand into your traditional, three thousand to your Roth, and then that's the limit. So mm. you can't, yeah, because you can open up multiple IRAs, and so if the contribution was able to give every single one of those six thousand dollars, <laughs> that's kind of a big loophole where you'd be able yeah. to invest X amount of money. So right. yeah, it, the limit is with all your accounts six thousand before fifty, and then seven thousand after. Interesting. Yeah, and that, that's that's a common misconception there as well is that people think they have a traditional yeah. and a Roth, <laughs> so they could put six thousand in the both, and it's uh, no, it's, it's six thousand total. And the uh, the government uh, treats IRAs as one, so you might have twenty IRA accounts, but the government only sees one IRA. Mm. So when you make contributions, when you make distributions and withdrawals, the government lumps them all together. So you can't cherry pick IRAs and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, max out both. The government <laughs> government doesn't let you do that. Interesting. Okay. So with the minimum age of withdrawals at 59 and a half, um, when is the recommended by some financial planners age of uh, withdrawing? Maybe not right away, right? 
Yeah, again, uh, it, it, it depends. Right. <laughs> uh, it depends on your life situation. Uh, obviously, if you needed the money to live on, it, if you needed it for financial support, uh, we would recommend taking it out right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, you don't have to rely on borrowing money or uh, resorting to other tactics that might not be beneficial for the IRA owner. So if they need it, recommend taking it. If somebody has substantial assets in a taxable account, a bank account, uh, other sources of income, then we would recommend leaving that money in there for as long as possible. And in a Roth IRA, that money never has to come out. In a traditional IRA, the maximum age, that well, the required minimum age is age 72. So mm-hmm. if you have not taken out any money prior to age 72, then we'll start sending you the money whether you want it or not. (laughs) Uh, Because if you don't take it out after 72, then it's a 50% penalty on what you were supposed to take out. So if you had to take out 50,000 and you ignored that rule, then the IRS penalty is $25,000 plus taxes. It's a hefty penalty. It's a hefty penalty. So, So 59 and a half, if they needed it, uh, if they don't need it, defer for as long as possible. And then at age 72, uh, we'll send them the money whether they want it or not. Interesting. Okay. Um, so in my research, I read about a clause where if you're a first-time home buyer, you can take out $10,000 um, to use towards that first purchase. Um, what do y'all think about that? Um, do you think Would you recommend it? Do you think it's wise? Um, yeah, Um so I think the key to everything is it depends, right? Yeah. Like really, it, it really does. There's not really a hard, fast rule. I mean, so just take into your your considerations. Um, so houses have averaged around 8.6 to 10% ROI. So every year, so your house gains about 8.6 to 10% value um, every single year. And the S&P has averaged 10% per year as well. And the big difference is, are you wanting to get that money currently or, or kind of wait for it? For example, so if you, if you take out that $10,000 from your IRA, you're now giving up whenever you bought the house, 30, 40 years of tax deferred or tax-free growth. Um, but if that's going into your house and, it, and houses are historically been a great investment mm. because the other alternative is renting where you're kind of just throwing your money away. It's, it's, it's a short-term solution. Um, but you don't want to, you don't want to be taking away something that's able to be increased in the future. So if you did a $10,000 investment today and then just didn't touch it for 40 years, that could easily be with a a 10% return, 140,000 without touching it. Now, the house could be that as well. And so that's really where you have to decide if, if, if the only thing keeping you from buying that house is that $10,000, I think for sure, go do it. But if you're able to find money in other areas, I think that should be your first, first choice. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, in addition to the IRA, uh, that, that clause, you could borrow money from your 401k as well. Mm. But as you've both seen, you know, we were in Austin and home prices have gone vertical <laughs> and it's very expensive. Right. And, you know, Spencer and his fiance are going to start looking for a home. And 
it's getting harder for first time home buyers to get into this market, certainly. So I, I expect more people to take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, even if the numbers make sense, I think, well, if, if it's the choice of not getting home or getting home, I think you'll see a lot of people take advantage of that. And, you know, as, as we were discussing a couple of days ago, uh, it's it's a cause that that you know it's me I wasn't really familiar with I had, <laughs> yeah. had forgotten about it so uh, you know you guys in different stages of life brought it up and I, I think it makes a lot of sense for people especially in hot markets like Austin hmm. that's interesting yeah okay um, so there's so many things that we can invest in what else would you recommend investing in besides just an IRA and a 401k. Uh, what else can you invest in as a young investor? For retirement, uh, the IRA, certainly. The 401k uh, is an obvious one. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably the easiest way for most people to save money is through their employer. And then if they're self-employed, they could do a SEP IRA, which allows them to put in uh, almost 10 times the amount what you can put into an IRA. So if somebody's uh, working for a company, but they also have self-employment income, they could fund all three, the IRA, the 401k, and the SEP IRA. But uh, one thing that I've noticed, certainly since COVID, is a lot of people in my age group, mid-50s, are tired of working and they're sick of <laughs> uh, what's been happening with COVID. And they said, hey, is, th is this it? You know, is there another alternative? But they didn't have any money outside of an IRA. Yeah. And so I think it's important also to save money outside of a retirement account to give you flexibility because there's no restrictions on getting that money. So if you did want to retire earlier than 59 and a half or sooner rather than later, then you can tap into your uh, external savings, your savings account, your brokerage account to uh, meet that need. So I think it's important to... Uh, put money into both categories, uh, retirement and uh, what I'll call an investment account. Mm. Uh, when I started in the business, everybody said retirement, retirement, retirement. But now that I'm almost there, <laughs> um, I think that was not really the best advice. I think for a lot of people, they should also save money in a taxable account Absolutely. so they could access it for a first-time home purchase. Yeah a trip or retirement or, or even education, paying for education. Mm. So I don't know. What, what yeah, are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, we just take the example that we just talked about $10,000. Like that's great, but a down payment in Austin, that's not even going to scratch the surface right. for those homes. So it, it's, it really comes down to making sure your money is, is liquid. Um, if it's not in a retirement account, but making sure you're not losing all of your money to inflation. Like, so for example, a lot of the, preconceived notions is, well, let me throw my investments into the retirement account and then the rest I'll just throw into a, a savings account. Mm. And a lot of people think that money is safe, which it is. But if you're not able to access your retirement investments till 59 and a half, and then you have your other side, only a savings account, which you're losing money due to inflation, that's where you're going to run into some trouble. Um, so right. if you're wanting to buy a home, make sure you have a three to six months, what I call an emergency savings fund. So you have three to six months cash, take care of all of your non-discretionary spending, and then invest the rest into uh, what Bill said, an investment account, a taxable account, a brokerage account. And that's money you can access same day. So right. a lot of people think you're not able to touch it, but if it's just a taxable account, not a retirement account, 
you can touch it same day, allow your money to grow and be able to get a lot more equity in, in what you're doing. Hmm. And I'll, I'll add, we, we didn't mention it, but uh, at the root of what we do is financial planning. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time talking to our clients about their goals. And if one of their goals is to retire early, then we start redirecting that money into non-IRA accounts. So they have a pool of money that they can access uh, at whatever age, you know, 45, 50, 55, pick a number. Mm -hmm. So the financial plan really guides that decision as well. And we can show them what it would look like tax-wise, income-wise, if they retired at certain ages. So the financial plan dictates a lot of where we think they should save money. Very interesting. Okay, cool. Um, Last question for y'all. Would y'all recommend a Roth conversion or what do y'all know about a Roth conversion? Um, it's a, it's a, it's a huge tax hit most of the time. So like <laughs> you, you, most people are wanting to roll or convert their IRA to a Roth IRA. And mm-hmm. well, I've noticed in the mid fifties, right before retirement and it's, it's a huge tax burden and it normally takes 10 to 12 years to recoup that money from your, your account to grow. So it's, it's contingent upon the person's preference. Like if they're really thinking, you know, this marginal tax rate is going to continue to increase, my RMDs are going to be insane. Um, sure, do the, do the Roth conversion. But as soon as what we've noticed, as soon as you tell them the tax hit, they're, they're much, <laughs> much less inclined to, to actually do it and pull the trigger. Interesting. Yeah, it's a big number. And again, the answer is it depends on a personal situation. So, you know, if they think tax rates are going up in the future, the Roth conversion makes sense. And it doesn't have to be all or none or Mm -hmm. they could do a portion of it. So they could divide up that Roth conversion, uh, you know, say they do a portion over five years. So every year they move 20% of their traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. So at the end of five years, they've completely converted their traditional to a Roth. One advantage of doing a Roth conversion going forward is that uh, it's less income in retirement, which means lower or potentially lower Medicare payments and taxes because Mm. Medicare is driven off your your tax returns. And so if you have tax-free money coming out, it doesn't impact uh, negatively your your Medicare payment. So it's it's also a way to pay a lower future tax on several uh, categories besides income tax. But like Spencer said, once we run those numbers and we have reports that we show a client how much tax they're going to pay, they say, okay, well, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. But, you know, as we've been saying, it, it depends. Cool. Well, I think I learned a whole lot today. I appreciate y'all. Um, I think that's all I have. Yeah, Perfect. we're good. Well, yeah. thank y'all. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Sounds good. For sure. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, parrotwealth.com, where you can learn more about everything we have to offer at Parrot Wealth Management. Also, be sure to tune in for our next episode where we'll be discussing ESG funds. That's our view from the perch. See you all next week.